So, and I'm glad you guys are here this morning. We're going to have a good time lighting things up this morning. I prayed over this and said, God, I need something a little bit lighter. You know, we've been kind of heavy over the last few weeks, uh, and, and we're in this capital campaign. All this stuff is coming down the pike, and, you know, preaching heavy and studying heavy and seeking God, and you're supposed to do all those things, but sometimes we just need to say, hey, let's catch our breath. Let's get some good, good attributes to help us through life. And that's kind of what this morning is going to be about. And we're going to have a good time this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for these, your men. I thank you, Father, for raising us up to be brave hearts. Father, to stand firm in a time and day where it's difficult to stand firm. Father, to this morning, I just pray as we go through leadership principles, that, Father, that you teach us to lead ourselves, not apart from you, but to be led by the spirit of you within us. And God, I just uh, pray that, that we can laugh and love and enjoy this short time that we call life. Father, we thank you that eternity is with you. And Father, we love you. Lead us now by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, you'll be familiar with this verse. This is the Apostle Paul and Starting with verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Now this is a man that's full of confidence. This is a man who understands that regardless of the situations, the circumstances in his life, he is going to receive a crown, and that crown is the crown of righteousness. He is going to finish the race that he set out to finish, that God had called him to. Now, I don't know about you if you've ever finished a race. Uh, I like to share a story about, about uh, finishing a race one time when I should have never finished the race. Uh, years ago, when I was in high school, I mean many, many moons ago, uh, I ran the 300 hurdles. Any of you re- run the 300 hurdles? We don't have any 300 hurdlers. Okay, one. All right. And he's the toughest kind of bunch, by the way. All right, we've got a bronc rider that... Uh, I ran, yeah, yeah. So I ran the 300 hurdles in my junior year, uh, was doing fairly well at the 300 hurdles. We were in the San Angelo relays, and down there they had nine heats. And in those heats, I was in heat number seven. And heat number seven at that, that particular year uh, contained two of the fastest men in the 300 hurdles, and I wasn't one of them. I had lane one. They had lanes two and three. And so uh, we were circled up there. I was circled up there with my team. We were stretching and doing a bunch of things. And uh, me and another guy was kind of goofing off. I said, hey, just check this out. I guarantee you. Because they were hopping this race up because of lane two and three, not because of me, right? And so I said, "Uh, watch this. I said, I'm going to get my name announced on that deal. Now, I thought of a couple of different things I could do. I could fire out of there because I'm in lane one and try to catch the guy in lane two and accidentally you know, kick a hurdle over into his lane or fall into his lane and he'd trip over me and just mess the whole thing up, you know. And at least my name would be announced. But I decided I'd just fire out of there like it's the 40-yard the dash. And so I fired out of there. I ran as hard and as fast as I could to the first hurdle. Ran as hard and as fast as I could to the second. I mean, I wasn't worried about, if you know anything, 300 meters is quite a, while, quite a ways to run. And jumping hurdles makes it that much further. And so generally, people are worn out by the time they get to the end, regardless of how you pace yourself. Well, I didn't pace myself. I just ran out of there as hard as I could. And when I came out of the stretch, so it came all the way around the corner, came into that, that last stretch, uh, jumped the hurdle, and I was not just in front, I was way out in front beating these guys. 
in my name got announced at the San Angelo Relays. Curtis House, lane one, comes out in the stretch. First place for a minute. And, and, and so as, as I continue to go, it's, it's no, I, I still remember it like it was yesterday because I was running so hard that my jaw started hurting. And, and I don't know what causes your jaw to hurt, but it was extreme pain. I was like, why am I hurting here? Everything else is feeling, you know, I'm still going, but this is hurting right here. I kept running, kept running. By the time I got to the next hurdle, uh, I jumped it, and these two guys flew by me, and it was really their jet wash that pulled me over the next hurdle. And by the time I, I, I made it to the last hurdle, I literally pushed that hurdle over and walked across the line and still placed third. Way out in front, but did not pace myself. This is the problem with life, man. Here's what happens in life. To win in life, we've got to have some kind of pace that, that we can actually maintain. And life continues to speed up. For all of us, life continues to speed up. I think of my own life and the kids and all their activities that they're involved in. We were at a, at a concert, an October concert, band concert last night for Emma, you know, and they had to dress up in their costumes and they played all these, these songs at, at school and, and uh, there's just always something. Every single night, every single day, Allison has a color-coded calendar up there and I look at it on Sundays and usually I'm depressed by Mondays, right? It, it is tough to keep up. And here's the thing, many of us run out of breath before we ever see the finish line, much less break the tape and that's not okay. It's not okay. It's not the way God intended. And men of God, someone's going to have to stand up and start slowing this train down. Because if, if Satan could do anything, what he would do is he would steal your time. He would continue to speed you up so that, that you become completely ineffective for his kingdom. Ineffective in your family, ineffective in the church, ineffective in your communities. You'll just become ineffective. Because here's what we'll do. We'll try to remain effective in our jobs. Because oftentimes it's our jobs that define us instead of us really defining our jobs. And so uh, Isaiah 4, 31, those who, those who wait upon the Lord, 40, 31, I just wrote it wrong. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Now notice he said they shall walk, okay, and not grow faint. Sometimes we have to walk. Sometimes if we don't, God will slow us down where we will. There'll be something happen. There'll be something come along that slows us down because God loves us so much. He says, I want you to break the tape in this life. I want you to see that crown of thorn of righteousness or that, that crown of righteousness that I have for you at the end of the tape. So between our jobs, kids, marriages, churches, extracurricular, look, we live more. We live more reactive than proactive. There's no doubt we live more as counter-punchers instead of punchers, counterintuitive instead of being intuitive. And when we live this way, something begins to build up in us. We live our lives no longer in balance but attempting to catch up all the time. The build-up, the product of this lifestyle is stress. And listen, men, stress is dangerous. Stress is, is very, very dangerous. And I'll talk about that here in just a minute. What is stress? Well, if you wake up screaming and realize you haven't fallen asleep yet, you're probably stressed out. If you've ever said these words, let me introduce myself. It's plural, guys. It was supposed to be funny. I tried, okay? 
Today was a totally waste of makeup. Hopefully you never said that, right? Don't worry, I haven't either. So here's the thing. Stress, for the most part, is a derivative condition from a past season of our lives. It's in our DNA. That's just true. It has an accumulative effect, though. So it means that it builds up over time. If you had stress as, as a young man growing up, if you had a stressful family that you lived in, if you had a, a dad who was abusive, if maybe you grew up in a single-parent home, those types of things created a stress in your life you may not have realized or recognized. But, but stress is kind of like carbon, <coughs> carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide is an accumulative poison. So if, if you've ever been... Uh, in carbon monoxide, what happens is it attaches, and it takes weeks, months, years for that to release. It actually accumulates within you. Stress is that way. It's, it's an accumulative byproduct of something greater going on in your life. <coughs> Most, if not all, sickness, disease, emotional disorders, career failures, achievements are a product or a byproduct of stress. Most, if not all, medical university scientific research today, just know this, attributes attributes um, these conditions to stress. Stress is very, very dangerous. Stress builds up in each and every one of us. If we're not careful, if we don't go discard it, and one of the ways to discard stress, here's just a, a basic application, is repentance. Repentance is a gift that God gave to us. It, it's it's amazing to me that Peter in his first sermon in Acts chapter 2, he says, repent and let each one of you be baptized, right? In other words, use the gift that God gave you. John the Baptist, when he broke onto the scene, when he comes out of the wilderness, his first words were what? Repent. It was a baptism of repentance. It was a gift to empty yourself out so that stress is not what holds you down. Stress is, is very, very dangerous. So here's the thing. How do we, how do we move forward? What's, what's going on? Well, I'll get to that in just a moment. I, I believe that uh, uh, maybe, maybe you need to hear some statistics. Dr. Bruce Lipton from Stanford University. I looked these up last night. Stress is the cause for at least 95% of all illnesses and diseases is what he said. 95% of all illnesses are due, from, due to stress. My mother said before she passed, long before she passed, she said she believed that she had Lou Gehrig's disease for this reason. Because she had so much stress in her life. And she used to tell me, don't be a preacher. You know what my mother used to tell me? She used to say, go be a motivational speaker. You'd make a really good motivational speaker. That way you just go into schools, you just go into places, be an evangelist, just shake them all up and then leave. You know, big deal. Um, but don't be a pastor. I've seen too many pastors burn out and da-da-da-da-da. And, and I'm a pastor today. I didn't listen to my mother's advice, right? But uh, she was concerned about the stress and the buildup. Uh, Lipton, he said this. Uh, he states that the remaining 5% was caused by the genetic deficiencies in the ancestry of that person. Now, I thought that was interesting because the genetic deficiency, we all backdate to what? The garden and sin. And sin, by the way, causes stress. If you have some type of habitual sin, you are stressed out. Because that's what happens. We know that, that Christ died for us. We may know that we're forgiven, right? But here's the truth. As long as we continue to participate in that sin, we don't feel his victorious work working through us. And so, so I believe that 5%, yeah, is, is true. 
the U.S. federal government, which I wouldn't believe for nothing, but maybe for this, all right? They claim that 90% of all illnesses are stress-related. This is from the Center of Disease and Control. If the immune and healing systems of the body can heal any problem that you have, then how could it not be something is fighting those, those immunity principles within your body? And that something is probably stress. It's breaking it down. Especially notable is this. Harvard Medical School says on their website, too much stress for too long creates what is known as chronic stress, which has been linked to heart disease, stroke, and may also influence cancer and chronic respiratory disease. And any illness is just the tip of the iceberg as you go on to read about this. Stress affects you emotionally as well as marring the joy you gain from life and loved ones. So in other words, whatever problem you have somehow or another, it probably came from an accumulated stress or the accumulation of stress. People's lifestyles, look, today are unsustainable. They really are. We blow and we go. I, I mean, and we're in war. Uh, I think back on, on my own grandparents, and, and they worked hard, and they had a dairy, and it was the old-fashioned dairy where they actually used their hands to milk. My grandfather's hands were so large that when my mother was born, he could take his wedding ring off and put it over her hand. These guys, I mean, when, they, when this is all they did, you know, squeezing the udders, I didn't know I'd ever say that from a pulpit. <laughs> but, but, you know, he was a big man too. I mean, he's 280, 290 pounds. I mean, he was a big man as well. But it's just, it's interesting to, to look. But here's the thing. They also, uh, they took Sundays off. I had a great uncle that was a fairly large farmer out. Um, his son still farms today out uh, west of happy that that truly believed that you never planted on sunday because it would not come up sunday was the lord's day uh, you know they, they, they just had these old principles some of you remember the blue laws remember the blue laws when you couldn't go to walmart on sunday because it was closed but today there's too much marketing there's too much money right that's involved on sunday chicken ex or uh chick-fil-a of course is still closed on sundays but it's amazing to me how much money they show as a loss for being closed on that one day. Because that's the day that most people are off. But even though we're off on that day, we tend to fill it with all kinds of other things. 1 Timothy 6.12. Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, hey, there's a fight of faith, and you're going to have to take hold of this because it affects your eternity. It affects our eternity on how we live our life today. The pace most of us have embraced is simply killing the work of God in our lives. You could say it this way. The pace at which I've been doing the work of life is killing the work of God in my life. Did you hear me? Um, I'm not going to have you raise your hands. How many of you got up this morning and have already been in the Word of God and had prayer? Don't, you don't have to raise your hands. I know many of you have, right? And praise God, I, I know that's probably, that's probably most of us in here just because you're here <laughs> at 6.30 in the morning, right? But how many's not here? How many have already got up and started getting ready for the day because the day is so, so busy? Um, I know this morning in my own reading um, and praying, see, if I, somebody noticed it, I've signed up on the prayer vigil from 6 to 6.30, and uh, what's the problem with that? I'm here. 
So what I do is I shift and I try to pray from, from about 540 right until about 610. Then I kind of carried it over between my 6 and 630. This is for the capital campaign, right? Because I have to come here because the day starts early. But that time slot hadn't been taken, and so I signed up for that time slot. I have to move it up a little bit. I have to bump it up a little bit and spend some time in prayer in my office and, and those types of things. But, but here's the truth. We just keep backing it up, and, and our nights get shorter and shorter. And what happens is our ministry becomes affected. So we become numb, emotionally disengaged. It can destroy families, destroy careers, because we're so exhausted going through the days. I, I was reading just yesterday, man, I was, I was reading just yesterday, if things are going to change, they're going to have to change with you. Um, that sounds so, that, that may not sound profound. Uh, you'll get this in the sermon on Sunday, never mind. A very famous leader asked himself one day as he lay with his head down on a it, on an indiscriminate cafe table weeping. This is, I should have just told you who it is. You can go for it. This is a pastor of a huge mega church. He got tired. He uh, put his head down on a table. And he asked himself this question. Who's holding a gun to my head? Who's holding a gun to my head? Then he said, who's forcing me to bite off more than I can chew? Right? What or whose approval, affirmation, applause am I looking for in my life? He came up with a simple test to check himself. You guys can look this up. He said, is my love for Jesus, family, and people increasing or decreasing? Now, now think on that for just a minute. Is my love for Jesus, for family, and people increasing or decreasing? So ask yourself this morning, is your love for Jesus, family, and people increasing or decreasing? I can tell you for a pastor, that's a pretty tough question. Because I think I can increase towards Jesus, but I can definitely decrease towards others because I just feel the pressure and the weight of everybody. Another voice in my life is another tragedy oftentimes or another, another voice of problems and how do we work through this and how do I get through this and all of these things. I'm not telling you it's worse than anyone else. I'm just saying what it causes me to do is tend to want to retreat, right, and quit hearing all the voices and, and, and so, uh, but is my love for them increasing or decreasing? See, when you lose your energy, when you lose your zeal for the God that we love, usually stress is the result. Stress is the killer. Stress is, in many ways, the precondition that causes us to love or to lose our love for one another and for God. Just a heads up. So the truth, only you, only you have the ability to change this in your life, right? You are the only one who will do this for you. Other people won't do this for you. You know what other people will do? <laughs> Here a while back, about three weeks ago, I did a wedding uh, on a Saturday, and it, it, was, uh, it was a great wedding, beautiful wedding, loved both the families that came together. One family's from this church, the other family's from the Wolfworth Church where I used to pastor. There was a man that came up to me, and I haven't seen him since I left. And he's from Wolforth, and he said this to me. He said, Curtis, I have never seen anyone age as fast as you. He, I'm serious. And he was dead serious. He said, what happened to you in nine years? Tell me what happened. Because whatever you're doing, I don't want to do it. And he was, he was serious. And, I mean, he laid it on me for a long time, just set it in front of two or three other people. He didn't hold back or anything. But, you know, he was one of those that created stress in my life. He was, 
he was the finance chair when I arrived there. Three years later, that church had about quadrupled or even more than that in attendance. It had gone from 60 to whatever, 200 and something people. And the district superintendent had to come in and demand them to give me a raise. Now, I, I never took a raise. It was up for the people. They set my salary. It was 36000 a year in Lubbock, Texas, southwest Lubbock, which was, was not a lot when your family's little bitty, and even when they're older, that would be very difficult. But uh, his, his words to the finance chair, and uh, so being the finance chair and the SPRC chair, when they came together to, to determine my salary, this is what he said, and I've never forgotten it. He said, men, I own a huge business throughout the Texas Panhandle. Let me tell you why we're so successful. We get the very best for the very least. That's a great practice. And so I was sitting in a meeting. So, Curtis, I believe that we ought to pay you the very least we can, probably below a school teacher because I don't know what you do during the week. And so, and but we should expect the very best from you. And that's, you don't think that puts stress on your life? Uh, did you know I used to have to post every week for years on the outside of my door that said pastor, not just pastor, it eventually said senior pastor. We, we went from a staff of one to a staff of 11 while I was there in six years. And I used to have to post my hours and what I was doing on the hour, a 60-hour week, on my door. And by the way, his weddings on Saturday didn't count. So uh, that, that's a demand that is somewhat of an unsustainable pace. And then this man asked me a couple weeks ago, what happened to you? How did you age so quickly? I'm just telling you, um, this is what the world will do. Even in the church world, there is a pace that is unsustainable, and you have to be careful. No one's going to take care of you except for you and Jesus, right? And so, so where that balance is, you've got to pray for it. You've got to ask for, for God to give you the right fellowship partners, the, the right solitude, uh, spend time with your family, fasting, prayer, meditation. You, you can't replace those things. They're irreplaceable. Life, life's grace is simply that, life. I loved how Alan put this last week at the men's retreat. He just said, your grace, your, your time of opportunity, right, is your life. But it is, that door is shutting. Every day it's getting closer and closer to being shut. So what does that mean? It means we've got to have time with our Lord. Jesus often withdrew and did what? He prayed. He sought out his Father. He said, I do nothing except for what I see my Father in heaven doing. Let me ask you this question this morning. How much is enough? How much would it take for you to have made enough? You ever, you ever tried to, I'm having a look at that right now. We paid a lady a lot of money for, it's called College Career Solutions downtown, right? Because she's going to help us get all these grants and these other things and, and this. And she listed out how old Allison and I will be after our last kid graduates. She listed on that board at certain times when we'll have three, possibly four kids in college at the same time. Then she listed the amount that that's going to cost over to the right. And I just laughed. How much is enough? How much would it take? We don't know, so we just keep working like, like tomorrow is going to be there. But it may not be. Look, we've got to learn to monitor 
our plans. Stick with our plans. Go ahead. It's okay. Look, your discipline, man, listen, this is a very important statement here. Your discipline may offend someone else because they may want that time from you. Your, your spiritual disciplines may affect and impact your wife. They may, they may do a lot of things to other people, but that's the other pe- person's problem. Your walk with the Lord is vital in you obtaining a sustainable pace for your life. So the last thing you want to do is stand in front of somebody and hear them say, what the heck happened to you? I have never seen anyone age as fast as you. I also said I planted a church at 40. I don't recommend that. <laughs> but anyway, if God causes you, calls you to do it, shoot, Paul planted churches up until he wound up in Rome <laughs> in prison. But anyway, right? So we just do what God tells us to do, and it may age as quickly, but I would say this. God never meant for us to have an unsustainable pace. It was not his intention for us in this life. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Know that it's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart, and you're going to have to carve out that margin for yourself. People aren't going to want to do it. People are going to want and demand more of you, not less of you in this world. You see, but what does God desire? He wants you to break that tape at the end of your life. He wants to give you the crown of righteousness. He wants you to hear those words from him, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. Not overdone, but well done, right? Father God, thank you for these men. Father, I just pray that you would help us in this life to to catch our breath when, uh, when we can, as we can, and as we should. Lord, uh, help us to, to hear your word and to be able to use the word no, uh, Lord, or not at this time, to create margin for you, most importantly, so that we, we share and show with this world lives that are in order because you are a God of order and not disorder. So the God that indwells us, Father, will be seen throughout our communities throughout this world through the order that's in our lives. So order them as you would in Jesus' name. Amen.